It's June of 2015, and I had taken some of my students and leaders from my previous church to a movie theater. Now, I don't know if you remember what movie theaters are, but movie theaters are, are places where people would gather for hours at a time in a small and dark enclosed space and sit next to each other. It's crazy, huh? Well, I had taken them to see this movie called Inside Out, and Inside Out is a family animated movie, and it takes us inside the mind of a teenage girl named Riley who's dealing with the, uh, uh, the emotions of an abrupt move to a completely new state. And so we go inside of her mind and we're introduced to the five main characters, which are the personifications of her emotions, joy, fear, sadness, anger, and disgust. And I love this movie, but there's this one particular scene that gets me every single time. Spoiler alert, I'm gonna spoil some parts of the movie here, but you've had five years to see it, so hopefully you've seen it already. So at one point in this movie, Joy, she gets lost in this place called the memory dump. And the memory dump is this huge, uh, seemingly endless pit where memories go to be lost forever. And so she gets lost in this place, and so she's desperate to get out so that she can go and return back to Riley. But she's stuck down there in this pit with someone named Bing Bong. And Bing Bong is the childhood imaginary friend of Riley. And he's also stuck down there, desperate not to be forgotten by Riley. And so they team up together and they think of a way to escape this pit and to get back into Riley's mind. And so they find this wagon, but this wagon is no ordinary wagon. This wagon is a wagon that is powered by song. A song that goes, who's your friend who likes to play? Bing bong, bing bong. And as you sing the song, the wagon gets more and more powerful. And so they both sit on this wagon and they find a little ramp and they start singing this song together. Who's your friend who likes to play? Bing bong. And the wagon powers up and it shoots off the ramp and it reaches barely to the end of that pit, but it's not strong enough to get out. And so they try again. Who's your friend who likes to play? Bing bong, bing bong. And they shoot off the ramp again, but again, it's too short. And at this point, Bing Bong realizes something. He realizes that in order for Joy to return to Riley's mind, he actually needs to sacrifice himself and jump off the wagon so that it has enough power to get out of the pit. And so Bing Bong says, hey, um, Joy, let's try this one more time. So they get on the wagon. Who's your friend who likes to play? Bing Bong, Bing Bong. And again, the uh, they, uh, they shoot off the ramp. But without Joy knowing and realizing, Bing Bong jumps off the wagon to lessen the load. And the wagon shoots up this time, and this time it has enough power to reach the end of the pit, and so Joy gets out. And so she starts celebrating and celebrating, not yet realizing what Bing Bong had done. And at this point, I start weeping uncontrollably. And in my weeping, I make this mistake because I look to the person to the right of me and the person to the right of me was a dad who had come with his two kids and he's weeping uncontrollably too. And for some reason, making eye contact with his dad who was crying made me cry even more. And I don't know why he was crying and weeping, but the reason I was crying was because it made me remember the multitude of times I celebrate the achievements in my life without remembering the people who have helped me get there and without remembering the sacrifices of my friends, and without remembering the faithfulness of God that helped me get there. Hello, my name is John Kim, and I am the pastor of high school ministry at the Grace Chapel Lexington campus. And I don't know if you've experienced this before, where you've celebrated achievements without reflecting and thinking back about the people who've helped you get there. I know I do it a lot. 
when I graduated high school, I said, I did it. I didn't say we did it. You know, it happens to us all the time. When we're kids and we first learn how to potty train, we say, I did it, mom. I did it, dad. We don't go, mom, dad, thank you so much for the countless hours you've spent helping me potty train. It's all through your efforts and works that I was able to do this. We don't reflect like that because it's so natural for us as people to celebrate the achievements in our lives in a way that glorifies ourselves and doesn't think about the other people in our lives and the sacrifices of other people that helped us get there. But it's so important to think about and to reflect on the other people that have helped us um, to get our achievements, especially as we think about graduation. In moments like this where we celebrate something big, like graduating, or maybe celebrating something big, like a new promotion in our job, it's important that we reflect and think about the others that, has, that have helped us get there. Because the temptation of achievement and the temptation of success is that we think to ourselves that it's through our own efforts and through our own strength that we have got there. So as we celebrate the incredible achievements of graduation, which is important that we celebrate it, I want us to celebrate by also choosing to remember. Choosing to remember two things. Choosing to remember the faithfulness of God and choosing to remember the sacrifice of others that helped us get there. But this invitation is not only for our graduates, but also an invitation for all of us. Because I think all of us, we are prone to forget and not remember other people and God who helped us to get where we are today. So the first thing I'm going to be talking about is choosing to remember the faithfulness of God. Today's passage comes from Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 10 through 18. And it takes us to um, a passage where Moses is addressing the Israelites right before they're about to uh, accomplish something really, really great, just like our graduates are about to celebrate something really great today. They're about to enter into a place called the Promised Land. And so this is where we find ourselves in Deuteronomy chapter 8. I'll read it for us here. When you have eaten and are satisfied, praise the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. Be careful that you do not forget the Lord your God, failing to observe his commands, his laws, and his decrees that I am giving you this day. Otherwise, when you eat and are satisfied, when you build fine houses and settle down, and when your herds and flocks grow large, and your silver and gold increase, and all that you have is multiplied, then your heart will become proud, and you will forget the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. He led you through the vast and dreadful wilderness, that thirsty and waterless land, with its venomous snakes and scorpions. He brought you water out of hard rock. He gave you manna to eat in the wilderness, something your ancestors had never known, to humble and test you, so that in the end it might go well with you. You may say to yourself, my power and the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me. But remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth and so confirms his covenant, which he swore to, to your ancestors as it is today. As I said earlier, Moses is speaking to the Israelites. And, they're, um, and like many of our graduates, they're about to celebrate this real big accomplishment or achievement of entering into the promised land. And the promised land is a land that was filled with prosperity and wealth, and most importantly, property. Because the Israelites were wanderers for a really long time. And they didn't have a permanent place to stay for, for a very, very long time. 
And God had promised that he was going to bring them into the promised land where they would have land. And now imagine if you were couch surfing at your friend's apartments for years and years and years, and all of a sudden you were given this beautiful home for free. That's kind of what's happening with the Israelites here. They've been wandering, and now they're about to celebrate this achievement of going to the promised land and gaining this land that they honestly didn't deserve. And so as they're about to celebrate this and think about, wow, this awesome achievement of getting this land, Moses warns them. He warns them. He warns them of the danger of accomplishment. And the danger of accomplishment, he says, is that you might forget God and that you might get prideful. The danger of accomplishment, the danger of thinking, oh my gosh, look at this accomplishment that I've done, is that you might forget God, that you might get prideful. If you look with me to verse 11, Moses says to the Israelites, be careful that you do not forget the Lord your God, failing to observe his commandments. Moses is telling the Israelites, hey, and in this uh, passage that we read today, he says, hey, stop forgetting the amazing things that God has done for you. He led you out of Egypt under their rule. He led you through the wilderness. He gave you food. He gave you water to drink. You need to remember these things or else you're going to forget God. But forgetting God is actually more heartbreaking than just not remembering him. We might say to ourselves, you know, I don't forget God. I know that he's there. But actually, when Moses talks about forgetting God, he's talking about something really particular. He's not talking about the fact that he's worried the Israelites will forget the fact that God did those amazing things for them. Moses is actually worried that the Israelites might stop caring about the fact that God did those things for them. Isn't that so heartbreaking? You know, today I'm celebrating my first Father's Day. Um, My baby girl Shiloh is five months old. And I was thinking, it's kind of like this. Maybe 15 years down the road on Father's Day, she comes up to me and says, Dad, I know the fact that you're my dad, but I don't care and recognize that you're my dad. That's almost what happens, and that's what Moses is worried about, that the Israelites will do if they forget God. That they would not forget the fact that God did those things, but that they would stop caring and stop recognizing that it's God who did those things for them. The second thing that Moses is worried about is that they might forget God, but he's also worried that they're going to get prideful, that when they accomplish this thing of getting into this promised land, that they're actually going to get really prideful and think that they did it themselves. So in verse 14, he says, then your heart will become proud and you will forget the Lord. He's worried about that. He's worried that their hearts will become proud. And I love the way C.S. Lewis describes pride. He says this, pride is spiritual cancer. It eats up the very possibility of love or contentment or even common sense. And pride is such an effective deterrent from remembering God's faithfulness when we accomplish something because it's so hard to be content. And I remember when I was in seminary, I had gotten this award. And I'm not really an awards person. Like I was never in the National Honor Society. I never gotten a big award in my life. The only awards I got in ele- was in elementary school for perfect attendance because my mom would always make me go to school. I know some of you guys can relate. So when I got this award, something weird happened. I wasn't content because no one else really knew about it. My friends and my peers didn't know I'd gotten this award. So even though I had gotten this award and I should have been thankful for the ways that God had led me to this point to get and, and, and to achieve something that I've always wanted to achieve, I wasn't content. And so I started going to people and trying to start conversations. 
And no matter what people would say, someone might say, hey, John, what are you doing for dinner tonight? I'd say, oh, did you just ask me if I've won any awards tonight? Let me tell you. And I try to shift every conversation so that people would know that I had won this award because pride didn't let me be content. And I think that's the danger with pride when we deal with accomplishment. And that's what Moses is also warning um, for these Israelites, that in your pride, that you will never feel content, that you would always want more. And some of you might be saying to yourself, I don't think I deal with pride. I think I recognize that God had done things for me. But Moses gives the Israelites a a litmus test pretty much to see whether or not you are dealing with pride in your heart. And so when I read this verse that he says to the Israelites, um, let me know or think to yourself if you've ever said these words to yourself. He says, Moses says, prideful people who have been given everything from God might say something like this. My power and the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me. Now, this sounds like something more like a villain might say in a superhero movie. It's the strength and the power of my hands that have produced this wealth for me. But maybe you've said something like that in a different way. Maybe you've said, I've accomplished this thing. Why do I have to give glory to God? It's through my efforts that I got this promotion. It's through my efforts that I graduated high school. Why should I give glory to God? Why should I remember God's faithfulness? Oftentimes for a lot of high school students who go to college, once we accomplish gradu- uh, this, this big deal of graduating, we start to feel sometimes, why do, I start to, why do I need to go to church? I got to college through my own efforts and through my own uh, work. Why should I go to church and honor God? So this temptation of achievement, it really sometimes makes us forget God and it makes us get a little prideful. And so how do we combat that? How do we remember God's faithfulness so that we can avoid those things? Moses says in Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 10, when you have eaten and are satisfied, praise the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. Moses is telling the Israelites that when you gain this land, when you get this incredible achievement, what we need to do is give God praise, which is essentially worship. Worship is what we do when we gather here on Sundays. Worship is what we do when we gather together with our small groups or uh, with different people as we read through books together and be a part of um, different communities in the church. And so we combat that by continuing to worship, not by running away from worship, but by diving in and giving God praise for his faithfulness in our lives. The second thing that God is asking and inviting us to choose to remember is to choose to remember the sacrifice of others. Um, I don't know if you guys know the Apostle Paul, but the Apostle Paul is one of the most influential um, early church leaders. And he's one of the greatest missionaries that we've ever had. And the Apostle Paul, although he's someone that has done a lot and accomplished a lot, In Romans chapter 16, he has a long list of people that he thanks for the reason and for the ability to be who he is. And so I'm going to focus on two people here in particular. So I'm going to read from Romans chapter 16, verse 3 to 4. The Apostle Paul says here, Greet Priscilla and Aquila, my co-workers in Christ Jesus. They risked their lives for me. Not only I, but all the churches of the Gentiles are grateful to them. 
Priscilla and Aquila are a couple that the Apostle Paul had met on one of his many journeys, and he had become um, good partners with them. They actually were involved in the same trade as him in tent making. They were missionaries, so they've done a lot of uh, work together in terms of spreading the gospel. But the thing that he highlights about them is that they risked their lives for him. And he remembers that. He remembers that so much that when he writes this letter, the one thing that he wants the, the people to, that are receiving this letter to remember is that they risked their lives for him. He doesn't talk about all the different fun journeys that they've had together and say, hey, rem you know, ask them if they remember the restaurant that we went to out in Ephesus. No, 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 he doesn't say those things. He says, remember this, the sacrifice that they made for my sake. And we know that it, this had a really big, incredible impact on him because the Apostle Paul is also someone who sacrificed his life for the sake of others. And imagine him looking and thinking about what Priscilla and Aquila had done for his life, had influenced him as he you know, was imprisoned many times for the sake of the gospel, as he, was in, as he went on many dangerous missionary journeys for the sake of the gospel. I can imagine the impact of thinking and remembering the sacrifice of Priscilla and Aquila on his life had an impact on how he lived for others as well. But how do we remember the sacrifice of others well? Like what's a way that we can actively remember the sacrifice of others well? Is it just thinking about other people? Yes, but I think one way that we actively do that is by not just, um, you know, this is actually a quote from Wick Warren. He says, humility is not thinking less of yourself, but thinking of yourself less. I think one of the ways that we remember the sacrifice of others is by not thinking, of our, uh, not thinking less of ourselves, but thinking of ourselves less and thinking more of other people. So I ask all of us here, especially our graduates today, who are the Priscilla and Aquilas in your life that help you to get to where you are today? Who are the people who sacrificed so much so that you would be able to graduate? For the rest of us, who are the people in your lives, throughout your lives, whether they're here with us or whether they're not, that have sacrificed something so that you would be able to be where you are right now? I imagine that all of us have at least one person in our lives that has sacrificed something so that we would be able to have success, so that we would be able to achieve something. And so God is inviting us to think about ourselves less when we achieve something. You know, and it is important to celebrate. You did graduate. You did get that big promotion. You did do that thing that helped you get to that achievement. But can we think of the other people around us more? The Priscilla and Aquilas in our lives. So as we close, I want to just give us some two application points. What are some ways that we can remember better the faithfulness of God and the sacrifice of others? I think one way that we can remember the faithfulness of God better is by establishing rhythms of worship. I think oftentimes, um, Sundays are places where we worship, and Sundays are places that we have a rhythm of worship. But I think sometimes Sundays um, are, are places that we get that, but we forget during the week, because once we're at home or once we're in our daily lives, we, we might forget the faithfulness of God because we might not have rhythms during our days, our daily lives, that help us remember the faithfulness of God. You know, recently, um, I just celebrated the 100 days, it's called Pegan in Korean, of my daughter Shiloh. And 100 days is a special day in Korean tradition and also Asian tradition because 
oftentimes when uh, in a long time ago, it was really hard um, to get proper care for um, people who are going through childbirths. And so sometimes children would not make it to 100 days. And so 100 days were cost for celebration. And for Christian families, we've now taken that tradition and we've made it a day where we celebrate the faithfulness of God for our child to be able to become 100 days. And we give glory to God. So recently when my, uh, my daughter turned 100 days, my family zoomed in from New York and we celebrated together. But not only did we celebrate together, we worshiped God together. And we remembered and we were thankful and we gave glory to God for the fact that Shiloh was be able to make it today because of God's faithfulness. Now, as I was thinking about that day recently, I realized that that day, honestly, wasn't that particularly special. Because I don't really remember the 94th day or the 103rd day. And so why would I remember the 100th day? It's because on the 100th day, I intentionally paused, our family intentionally paused to remember God. It was an established rhythm where instead of looking and thinking about my accomplishments, we think about who God is. And so for our college students, uh, so far our, our, our seniors who are going off to college, maybe this is something that we need to be thinking about. How can I establish rhythms in college of worship so that I can constantly remember that it was through God's faithfulness that I was able to get there? And for maybe some of us at home, what are some rhythms that I can develop in our lives or maybe rhythms we can develop as a family to remember God's faithfulness more intentionally apart from Sundays, even though Sundays are an important part of that? The second thing, how can I remember better the sacrifice of others in our lives that have helped us get to where we are? I think we do that by asking ourselves this question, what am I doing today for others? This is actually something that Martin Luther King Jr. said. He says, life's most persistent and urgent question is, what are you doing for others? When we look back at the advice video that we saw earlier, a lot of those students that spoke, especially the students, the college graduates who spoke, they're from our Grace Chapel community. And I'm willing to bet that every single one of them would say that there were so many people who thought of themselves less and had been their small group leaders and had been their uh, mentors and pastors and spent so much time with them to help them to be who they are. And so are there moments for us to think about that? What am I doing today for others? Is there moments where we can think about, well, how can I do something for other people instead of spending so much time thinking about ourselves? Pastor Brian also mentioned last week in his sermon that he believes that um, God is scattering us like seeds during this pandemic to the greater Boston area, to love our neighbors and to care for people around us. And so this question helps us think about that. What am I doing today for the sake of others? How can I think of myself less as I think more about how I can serve and be a good neighbor to our friends and people around us? In particular, as we've been grieving in our country, the unjust murders of people like George Floyd and Ahmaud Arbery and Breonna Taylor, that's a question that I've been asking myself a lot. John, what are you doing today? as this country undergoes a crisis of racism and injustice. When I was graduating high school, this wasn't something that I thought about a lot because I was so interested in myself. All I cared was my, about myself and my achievements and my goals. I didn't think so much about what's going on around me because I was only interested in my success and my achievements. But I think God is inviting us to something deeper today, to remember 
other people around us, to think about what am I doing today for the sake of brothers and sisters around us. And I'm so encouraged by our young people here at Grace Chapel, especially our graduating class of 2020, because I think that's something that a lot of you guys are already thinking about. What can I do today to stand for black brothers and sisters in this country who are undergoing a really difficult season as, as we uncover and think through the different systemic injustices that, that, that are established in our country? But I encourage us that we would continue to think about this, that when social media stops talking about this, that as people of God, we would continue to ask ourselves, what am I doing today to stand for our black brothers and sisters? What am I doing today to stand for the black brothers and sisters who are hurting? What am I doing today to ensure and to make sure that black lives matter in this country? So, encourage us that we choose to remember the faithfulness of our God and the sacrifice of others around us by establishing rhythms of worship and by asking ourselves this question, what am I doing today for others? So before we close today, I'm going to give us a gift. And it's something that Fred Rogers calls the gift of, uh, the gift of a silent minute. And I want to give us this gift to reflect and to think about the two things, the faithfulness of God that helped us get to where we are and the sacrifice of others that has helped us get to where we are. And so who are the Priscilla and Aquilas in your life? Who are the people who sacrificed something so that you would be able to achieve this incredible achievement of graduating? Or for the rest of us, who are the people in our lives who've sacrificed something for us to be where we are today? So I'm gonna give us a minute to think about those two things, the faithfulness of God, and the sacrifice of others. I'll keep the time. Who did you think about during that minute? For me, I thought about my parents who sacrificed so much to immigrate into this country. For my brother and I to get a better education, I thought about particularly my mom who sacrificed so much, who sacrificed her dream so that our family could live out ours. Who did you think about during that minute? And that scene in Inside Out, when um, Joy finally realizes that Bing Bong sacrificed himself for her to get out of that pit, you would think that when she turns around and sees Bing Bong, that Bing Bong would be sad. But Bing Bong isn't. Instead, he's celebrating. He says this. He says, yay, you made it. Go and go save Riley. Because for Bing Bong, it was worth it to sacrifice himself so that Joy would be able to go out and to give Joy back to Riley. He was overjoyed with the fact that he could be able to sacrifice for the sake of someone else. And those people in your lives that you just thought about right now, and God, who you just thought about right now, they're overjoyed knowing that you just thought of them during that minute. And that, my friends, is the beauty of remembering the sacrifice of others around us and remembering the faithfulness of God. Now let's worship together.
as we close and remember those two things.